and children of all ages, welcome to another Fuds on Film podcast. My name is Scott Morris. Joining me today, we have Drew Tavendale. Hello. And Craig Eastman. Be road in everything you do. I concur wholeheartedly. Do you want to give us an intro into this uh, segment then? Yeah, okay. So I, th- I suppose I, did I was I the one to posit this? I suggested yes. that we should probably come up with a, a Christmas playlist of sorts of, of movies that we would each particularly recommend or suggest that uh, our, our listeners listen to on Christmas Day. Is that correct? Was that what I did? <laughs> you should know. Um, I don't know. I should also know what films I've seen at the cinema this year. I know <laughs> I've been to the cinema more than once, but I can only remember one film I've seen in the cinema. Whatever you suggest. What it morphed into my head was some yes. sort of list of the sort of films that you might watch when the sort of films you'll return to time and time again. Um, the sort of films yes. that perhaps uh, give some sort of comfort. Or, or I was going to say so, pred- predicated partially at least on on sort of comfort movies. It's like okay, what would what would my ideal Christmas be? Um, shall I kick us off with this briefly then? See yes, so it was my bloody idea. <laughs> um, I have I've taken the liberty of splitting this up and scheduling your day for you, uh, dear listeners, uh, and I. Would would suggest that we need probably a, a morning film, um, something that's ultra family uh, oriented, possibly uh, for that morning period after we've opened the presents, after we've had a bit of breakfast, or while breakfast is on the go to kill a couple of hours while we build up to Christmas lunch. You are then want, going to want something utterly disposable to have on in the background while everybody's having Christmas lunch. You're going to want a late afternoon film. Uh, something a little bit more grown up perhaps and then you're going to want an evening film which is going to be a ooh baby it's cold outside um, kind of thing Um, and so I have scheduled my playlist I'm going to start the morning on Christmas day Uh, my suggestion to you would be uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky which is my favourite of all the Ghibli films I wouldn't suggest it's necessarily the best Ghibli film but it is my personal favourite I think it's the perfect morning movie the first time I saw it was of a morning uh, when I was on a sick day from school as I recall um, and I was as enchanted by it at 9am as it is as it is possible to be with a movie <laughs> um, I think a wonderful flight of fancy the Jules Verne slash Welsh mining town inspired uh, backdrop and setting to this movie is just one of the most enchanting uh, pictorial sort of um, uh, themes that I, I've come across anywhere in cinema. I think the action is exciting and enthralling in equal terms, I think, or equal measures, rather. I think the characters, for what is ostensibly a children's film, I think the characters are all incredibly unique and engaging and surprisingly fleshed out um, and have interesting backstories. And I just think it's hard to beat um, in the morning hours uh, of Christmas Day that kind of fantastical, um, pure adventure story and I this year will hopefully be deploying this movie for the first time with my own children on Christmas day on Christmas morning Um, so I am super looking forward to that and if you are so inclined I can't tell you how excited I am (laughs) and they might absolutely hate it but I've been building up to this moment for five years Um, and uh, if you would like to join me I would be absolutely honoured that would be my recommendation for a morning movie Moving on from that, (laughs) Christmas lunch. This is my wild card of the pack. I only watched this movie for the first time two weeks ago, and it is 1974's Charles Bronson starring Mm. Mr. Majestic. Um, 
Charles Bronson is the original mean melon farmer, and I mean that quite literally. In this film, he plays a melon farmer who doesn't like to pay his his migrant workforce all that much. Um, I also presume... I also presume this is what spawned that substitute for the Oedipal insult. Um, I've, I've nothing to base that on, but it seems like it sounds might be legit, a thing. Yes. It sounds absolutely <laughs> legit. Um, in this movie, Charles Bronson is harassed by local heavies trying to muscle in on the labour market and oust his low-paid Mexican <laughs> workforce, right? So Vince Majestic, spelt with a... <laughs> M-A-J-E-S-T-Y-K Obviously It's majestic of the Connecticut Majestic Yes, absolutely He manages to piss off both the local heavies And through a very contrived Slash convoluted plot development A notorious hitman Played by Al Played by Al Lettieri Now, right Some of some of you listening are going to recognise Lettieri as uh, Salozzo from The Godfather. <laughs> Younger members of the audience will doubtless clock him as looking exactly like the Gen 2 Pokemon who would evolve into Andre the Giant. I heard Gen 2 and thought of the species of penguin and realised you meant Generation 2. So yes. That was like a completely different Gen, um, mental image. Gen Space 2, yes. yes. Um no, I'm sticking with Gen 2 Penguin. The, it's more amusing that way. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'll take that as an insult to my, my comedic writing skills. Uh, Linda, the, the lovely Linda Crystal plays the inexplicably doting, and I do mean inexplicably, inexplicably doting love interest, um, who gains precisely zero love in return from the bizarrely asexual character that Bronson is portraying. Um, despite remembering little of this film after watching it a mere two weeks ago I've got absolutely no hesitation in recommending it as your afternoon family movie originally rated X now clearly a 12A slash PG-13 at best Um, largely because it features a scene in which some heavies massacre a barn full of melons using submachine gun fire in what must rank as the least efficient crop decimation in living memory And it is absolutely, and I promise you, absolutely guaranteed to give younger members of the family some very bizarre early memories of cinema. (laughs) So I'm I'm giving you that as your background Christmas lunch movie, okay? (laughs) Moving on from that, I'm thinking... Early afternoon, sort of post-Christmas lunch, it's that sl- it's that slouch on the couch, it's that, oh, I'm feeling a bit sleepy, I'm going to have a drink now while everything gets tidied up. You People, you need an afternoon classic on your list. And in swerving the usual candidates, I'm going with my favourite Hitchcock, which is North by Northwest hmm. from 1959. Also my favourite Hitchcock. Oh, listen... Drew, back me up here. Cary Grant has never been better. Eva Marie Saint is to die for, almost literally. And James Mason is... uh, James Mason is as insidious as a very insidious thing on National Insidiousness Day. (laughs) (laughs) The series of events as propagated throughout are, of course, absolutely absurd. But only Hitchcock could get away with it. uh, uh, And get away with it he does in blistering style. Yeah, Yeah, what a magnificent MacGuffin that film has. The original MacGuffin. (laughs) Yes, absolutely the original MacGuffin. An absolutely timeless classic. And I think one which, along with Laputai, possibly mentioned in our first ever podcast podcast uh our two-parter of our favorite films of all of all times a, a definite 
a definite comfort movie. And then moving on to the evening, the later hours, I'm giving you a choice of two films. I would recommend you watch them both. If I were to watch them in order or suggest an order to you, the first would be 1993's Red Rock West, which is possibly my favourite Nicolas Cage movie of all time. Um, it's a modern film noir that has stayed with me for a long time. It's got wonderful performances from Nick Cage. It's got absolutely the unhinged performance you want from Dennis Hopper, very much in a sort of blue velvet mode. Um, and Lara Finn Boyle, uh, Flynn Boyle rather, is so goddamn hot in this movie that I'm pretty sure the first time I watched it, my face melted off. Um, <laughs> really, really, really cool, uh, dark and nihilistic noir as you head into Christmas evening. And then to round things off, I thought to myself, it's a cold winter night. Okay, the kids have gone to bed. You're feeling a little bit sort of more comfortable and isolated. Get under a blanket. You want something. What is actually, what, what's a midnight movie that actually had any sort of sense of perturbance upon me whatsoever in the past decade or two decades because now depressingly this film is 11 years old and I don't know where those 11 years <laughs> went 30 Days of Night is my is my snowy Christmas movie for you um, I think it is a, a criminally overlooked and I think we spoke about this possibly at the time because yeah. that's how long we've been Decking yeah, podcasting for. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Round about when we started, actually, 2007 yeah. would be when we started the online podcast, yes. isn't it? Yes. Uh, if not before that. And I think um, I, I watched it again recently in the run up to this to reaffirm my belief in it. And absolutely, that is one of the better modern day horror movies. Um, not necessarily the greatest cinematic artwork of all time, but it sets a very definite tone. It sets a very definite sense of, of place and foreboding that actually I think few other modern, modern horror movies have done mm -hmm. and ultimately it features a man punching another man through his head which <laughs> is not a device that has been employed in anywhere near enough movies by which I mean this is the only movie that I've ever seen this in and I've seen Story of Ricky and even that film didn't do that shit so get it watched. I I remember thoroughly enjoying 30 Days of Night mm -hmm. and I bought the Blu-ray as soon as it was available and I haven't watched it. The and you haven't watched it. How did I know what that last sentence yes. out of your mouth was <laughs> going to be? It's almost as if there's some precedent for that, Craig. Huh? Could, listen, Drew. Will but you, I do need to revisit it. You're making me want to revisit it very well, much. Well, please revisit it last thing on Christmas mm. night because that is my recommendation to you. And I would love for you to share any of those, uh, dear listeners. And please, if you do, let us know. But I've waffled on enough. What do you guys think? You know, one thing, just before we go on, uh, just because it's triggered a, a neural pathway uh, with your talk. <laughs> Of, uh, 30 Days of Night, which I, I really love as well. But um, Daybreakers was a similarly vampire themed thing, which was really that, quite interesting as well. And I think the, that, that I my head as well, Scott. Sorry, and that yeah. I've never gotten around to watching myself. So perhaps and, that is my pledge to you. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that when Craig was talking about 30 Days of Night and the kind of underrated vampire mm -hmm. films, got 30 Days of uh, yeah, exactly. Daybreakers came to my head. Not brilliant, but kind of interesting. And I really like Ethan Hawke. Absolutely, yes. Um, so that's a big part of it. Um, and yeah, there's quite a just sort of um, inverse vampire film in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, Sam Neill's in that as well, isn't yes, he? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but I, I mean, again, it's a long time since I've seen it, but it's that's uh, really interesting. And I don't care much about most vampire films, certainly none of that Twilight <laughs> nonsense. I don't like the um, any of the Anne Rice stuff, but I really like Daybreakers. Um, so Daybreakers. Blade and 30 Days Night are the only vampire films I haven't yeah. much time for, to be honest. Because <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, right, when you suggested this, I, 
I did struggle with it because it's something I've been trying to avoid doing lately is mm. the, the way they sort of coalesced to me was the kind of films you go back to time and time again. And I've really tried over the past, certainly as long as we've been doing this iteration of the podcast, to stop going back to films and watch new films instead. Yes. Um, because I tried to force myself to do that, to be honest, but I'm not always successful. I was like, no. hmm, maybe yeah. I'll just watch A Few Good Men for the 812th time. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same, but I want to avoid the same thing. Like my music uh, tastes completely ossified when I was between about 18 and 20 and I, I have not yep. I haven't really sought out new bands since then I've not uh, tried to even make an attempt to get into new music it's like I have my little list of playlists and just keep going back to them and I don't want that to happen with films so I'm trying <laughs> not to um, well I'm going to whatsapp you over a list of musical stuff to budge you out of that yes. rut later on Scott but that's a separate thing thank you so much so uh, I was thinking that the sort of things that I had watched most in my life were the kind of things that I kept going back to they're not necessarily family films they won't fit to any kind of theme and uh, most of these you probably wouldn't want to put anywhere near <laughs> younger children um, but the films I'm going back to one I know that you guys have gone back to even more than I have would be things like The Big Lebowski uh, mm-hmm. obviously it's an incredible classic Cohen film uh, Coen Brothers film. Um, <laughs> the only rental grades tape I've ever worn out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and just going back to that again, the things that I've gone back to most actually seems to be the kind of things that I did watch most when I was uh, late teens, early 20s. So I was still in that sort of mould of liking an awful lot of action cinema. Um, so the things that I keep going back to, as it turns out, are stuff like early John Woo films, um, Hard oh, Boiled. Cool. I would watch that Hard Boiled immensely the killer, all these things yeah. I could watch it on repeat for for ages. Scott, can we can we add the caveat though that, that um, are are you suggesting that because I believe in the intervening years, and I can't back this up with fact, but I understand that those films, since they gained much more popularity, have been redubbed. I would suggest. Obviously, either the original Cantonese yes. or preferably or the original, 80s dub. The original exactly. Western yes. dub. The ones that are actually funny. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. <laughs> um, I, I'd also, just just talking of awesome 80s dubs, um, I mean, early 90s dubs, Iron Monkey absolutely, also. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Governor. Governor, the monkey is showing his ass. <laughs> Uh, oh so that sort of thing there's also a couple of Verhoeven films I keep going back to namely Robocop and uh, Starship Troopers I'll, I'll watch those endlessly um, there's something deeply entertaining about those that just will not stop it being entertaining for me even though they are um, in most ways silly but I still really love them um, <laughs> if you want to put um, if you want to go for a more uh, Christmas themed slant to it then I know it's a bit of a cliche but yes It's a Wonderful Life is still really classic I love it I love that film always did mm-hmm. um, and I almost hesitate to bring it up because I, I'm actually quite annoyed by it you know, there used to be a, a, a a little joke going around where people would say, you know, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, right? Because it's at Christmas, ha ha ha. And we all understood that it was a joke, but now apparently it is just actually true that Die Hard is now a Christmas movie, despite it well, being set at Christmas and otherwise well, having nothing to do with Christmas. At the, at the very Man's least, it is a Christmas movie yeah, by at, that standard. At the very least, it is an annual source of furious debate for people <laughs> yes. who ought to be doing more productive things with their time. Yes. Um, but regardless of that, it is possibly the best action movie ever. So, yes, it is very good you should probably watch that uh, and uh, just to go back to the Arnie stuff uh, back to action stuff there's a few Arnie films of course that will always stand the test of time for me those being Commando and Predator I will never pass up an opportunity to watch either of those films they're both brilliant <laughs> you're having a very violent Christmas <laughs> aren't we all aren't we all 
<laughs> Drew, what say ye? Uh, first of all, um, Die Hard, let's put this down now, isn't a Christmas movie. Just because it takes place at Christmas doesn't make it a no. Christmas film. <laughs> Iron Man 3 also takes place at Christmas, isn't a Christmas film. Dude, I, I, bang, bang. <laughs> I, used to be, I used to be on the opposite side of the fence, and I think for the most part it's because I was trying to troll people, maybe subconsciously, but I have to agree now that no, Christmas objectively is... Uh, sorry, Die Hard is... <laughs> Christmas is objectively not a Die Hard movie. Um, yeah, Die Hard, is, <laughs> Die Hard is objectively not a Christmas movie, uh, and as you quite rightly state, just because it takes place... You'll notice that Die Hard Two also takes place at Christmas. It's and never the conversation. It's never part of the conversation. <laughs> yes. So um, yes, that that's that's another thing. It's not a Christmas movie, but of course it is one of the best movies to watch at Christmas, and you should do that. Yes, because it's just one of the best movies to watch. Period. Exactly. Um, I'll be honest. I didn't really know what to do with this when you suggested it, Craig. I didn't know whether to go with Christmas films or with just like kind of comfort food, as you'd also mentioned. So I've sort of got a bit of both. Um, Right, first of all, um, this was difficult for me because I don't care about Christmas anymore. I... I used to love Christmas so much and it's just, it's completely gone from me now in the last couple of years. I didn't celebrate it last year. I'm not going to celebrate it this year. And apparently, if you say you're not going to celebrate Christmas, people look at you like you're the Antichrist. <laughs> what? Um, you know, best, but, best Christmas I ever had was when I was with the woman who is now my wife, but we weren't married, Drew. And I, I put my foot down and said that I was spending Christmas Day alone in my flat and that I'd go through to hers in the evening and I made myself a lovely roast and I put it all inside a massive Yorkshire pudding that I cooked myself um, and it's the best Christmas I've ever had because I got to do exactly what I wanted, play exactly what I wanted to on the Xbox, um, watch exactly what I wanted to on the TV and then go to someone else's house to drink the booze that they paid for. <laughs> yeah, um, Don't let no, them get you down. That magic has just gone. I always loved Christmas and it's just gone for me in the last couple of years. And I, I genuinely, I have no Christmas decorations. I don't care anymore. It's just, I'm not interested. Which kind of saddens me because I know how much I enjoyed it in the past. But it's like the way people look at you, it's like, um, I don't sell like Christmas like as if you told them you eat children. So you're so you're watching, uh, so what are you watching this because it's Bézémois. <laughs> Halloween I'll, three night I'll of the be watching the inside of my eyelids because I'm just hoping it will just pass. <laughs> cool, uh, cool. But I would like to. I'll, I'll go back to when I really did love Christmas um, and the sort of things I would watch then. So I'm going to go with Christmas films first. The first is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. yes. Oh, um, absolutely. Yes. Which I love. Um, the Muppet, as much as I love the Muppets, their actual cinematic output is probably got something like a twenty percent hit rate. There's some absolute <laughs> stinkers in there. But the Muppet Christmas Carol with Michael Caine, it's just so lovely, it's so funny, it's so well made and so well told, and I love the Muppet Christmas Carol. I, I think I'll probably always love that. Mm-hmm. You just um, reminded me that I need to watch that with the kids as well. Yeah, I'm sure they'll love it, Craig. It's just such it's such a nice film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, as a sort of an adjunct to that, in that, um, like, I, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol has been adapted about 11 to 12 times. Um, approximately, you know, 11 million times, actually. I actually really like the Patrick Stewart one, which is closer to a more complete adaptation of the source material based on his one-man show that he did on stage for many, many years. Um, And I just really like the Patrick Stewart one. Mm. Uh, It was done for TV, I think. Uh, But yeah, The Muppet Christmas Carol of Scott mentioned It's a Wonderful Life. It was always my favourite Christmas film for a long, long time. 
Um, I've not watched in a while now, and as I, I probably I'm not going to anytime soon because of the reasons I've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I just mention? I would certainly have mentioned uh, a Muppet's Christmas Carol if I'd remembered, because I made a note in the card to mention <laughs> this and uh, Scrooge as well. Um, yeah, but I forgot. So now I've mentioned them now. So. Thanks. Yeah, um, Scrooge <laughs> isn't Bill, but it's Bill Murray yeah. who's always good value. Uh, the other two Christmas films that I will mention just now, I think. Um, although I do quite like Tim. Well, it's also called Tim Burton's A Night Before Christmas, despite the fact it's actually Coraline yeah. director Henry Selick, and Tim Burton's only the um, producer. So well, poor Henry Selick yeah. really gets short shrift with that. <laughs> M- much uh, like Peter Jackson is being credited with Mortal Engines at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> and I've literally heard no one talking about the actual director of that film. Yeah. Like, I'm sure Peter Jackson realised that, that he wasn't the director. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah, there there are two other Christmas films mentioned. One is a film that I remember watching when I was a very young boy. Um, which, given that it's a 1983 film or 1983, I think it must have been just after release. Debbie does Dallas and. <laughs> Well, deep throat, Scott. <laughs> Wrong seventies film. Yeah. Deep throat. Um, <laughs> um, I had, and I didn't know what it was for a long time. I had a vague recollection of watching a film where this wee boy had a rifle and he ate soap. You've done that thing where you're suppressing your own memories, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> It took me ages to find out that, yes, my parents had abused me by shooting me and making me eat so. When, when did you sign up for this remake of The Road, Drew? Um, and that's... Um, that's bleak. Gene Shepard, um, Bob Clark's classic A Christmas Story, which took me a long time to realise, to find out what it actually was. I watched it several times since, and I, I think it's just it's charming. It has that kind of... Um, nostalgia of a childhood Charming um, is not the adjective I was expecting <laughs> after that introduction um, yeah, The story of little Ralphie and his desire for a Red Rider BB <laughs> rifle and how it'll put his eye out The story of little Larry and his gun and his tasty soap <laughs> Um, performance by Darren McGavin as Ralphie's dad um, who forces him to eat soap and shoots him and kills him it's a, it's a bleak bleak story soap it's none of your five a day <laughs> yeah, um, Night Club also a great Christmas movie <laughs> uh, oh Jesus get the so a, a Christmas story which is a classic and um, what I urge, if you're a fan of a Christmas story, as many people are, um, of like this wee boy in 1950s Indiana, do not even go as far as watching the trailer for the, like, I think, 20, 25 year later, A Christmas Story 2, because it's one of the worst things I've mm. ever seen. I've only seen the trailer and it's painfully awful. Deary me. Uh, the other Christmas story I'll mention, uh, sorry, Christmas film that I'll mention, um, is... There are bits of it I don't like, and I don't like the religion aspect of it so much. Um, and a wee bit is a bit twee, but strangely, you mentioned Cary Grant Craig, and it's a 1947 film, I think, mm-hmm. called The Bishop's Wife. Okay. Which was remade years later with Denzel Washington. I think Whitney Houston is the preacher's wife. Oh, but the classic, I didn't even realise that was a remake. Yeah, it's a remake of um, the 1947 film. Den, um, David Niven as this 
preacher who's kind of lost faith and Cary Grant in a supreme performance um, as the angel that comes to help him um, called Dudley, a terrible name, Dudley. but um, And it's just, you know that wonderful swagger that Cary Grant has? I could yeah. watch Cary Grant in anything. He has this wonderful swagger, having a wee bit of fun. And it's just, I just find it a lovely, lovely film. Um, uh, so yeah, The Bishop's Wife, I, I just think it's charming. And the, yeah, that's it for Christmas film. So I'm up at Christmas Carol, a Christmas story. It's a Wonderful Life and The Bishop's Wife. Those are the ma- my main Christmas films that I really used to like watching. <laughs> I just I, I purposely avoided It's a Wonderful Life because obviously it's like the 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 it's the cliche, isn't it? Yeah. But I know it's a cliche, but I love that. I've loved well, that film since I was a kid, and I've, well, I've never stopped loving it. Well, until I've, I've also avoided it because I hadn't actually watched it until two years ago when my wife set it upon me as a trap. <laughs> she pur- she purposely made me watch it and then sat and I realised in the last 10 minutes of it she was staring at me because she was pur- <laughs> rather than the film because she was purposely waiting for that sort of climactic moment in the message because she knew it was going to upset me <laughs> waiting for you to cry when they're all giving on the money and you're um, saying like, there's no man's a failure yes. who has friends that she was, sort of she thing. was specifically waiting on the message no man is a failure who has friends <laughs> on the screen specifically to capture the moment where I broke down and I don't I don't know <laughs> where I am now <laughs> so I was um, avoiding that one um, in terms of just like sort of comfort food which is which is the main thing I took from your suggestion for this Craig of mm. kind of stuff you could watch anytime yes The Big Lebowski's a given it's my favourite film of all time I could just watch that again and again and again and again but a film we actually mentioned just a couple of podcasts ago, which is The Day of the Jackal, because we mentioned at the time, mm-hmm. Craig, that it was for cinematic comfort food. It's, yep. it's so satisfying. That is an um, under-the-blanket uh, movie. Yeah. When we talked about um, a good while ago now, in the early days of FUDS and Film, we talked, Craig, you and I did the Jack Vine podcast. That's right. And mm-hmm. I, I mentioned how much I like submarine films, and the submarine film I like more than any other is... The Hunt for Red October. Yes. And for me, that's a cinematic comfort <laughs> film. I, I've watched that so many times. I could just... It's got some interesting trivia as well. <laughs> yes. Yes, it has. Um, interesting you should mention that. Uh, I really put that out in our, um, our Twitter feed this evening because I was amused that your entirely accurate trivia entry in IMDb is still there. <laughs> um, my, my hobby. Uh, so it's 100 of 107 people having found it interesting and it's one of the highest rated bits of trivia for that film. <laughs> if I if I achieve nothing else in life. Uh, yeah, so I can watch that anytime. I just, I find it so enjoyable. The same, like, I mean, like Scott, um, I, I keep on thinking, right, I need to force myself to watch new stuff. Unlike Scott, I generally don't manage it. And it's like, you know what? No, I'll just watch Die Hard again because, you know, a thousand times isn't enough. I need to make it a thousand and one. Ho, ho, ho. Um, Never have a machine gun. <laughs> um, and there's a couple other films that are just sitting there that I, that I really like and not the best films of all time but still good films still really good films that I could watch anytime one is Brian De Palma's The Untouchables oh yes oh yes I could watch that anytime um, and I've watched it so many times it's um, I think it's quite an earnest performance from Kevin Costner but I really like it and Sean Connery's great in it um but I, I mean, that's, that's cinematic. I could watch The Untouchables so much. And there's another film that I've watched probably as many times as I've watched The Untouchables, maybe more, in fact. Um, and another, kind of, like submarine films, I really enjoy a good 
kind of legal stroke courtroom drama. It doesn't have to all be in the courtroom. Um, I mean, 12 Angry Men is magnificent, but I've not watched it quite so many times because it's so intense. I, the number of times I've watched A Few Good Men is well, you stated comfortably triple figures. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was an exaggeration, but I'm, I'm probably even triple figures. But it's really, it's um, it's getting close to that. Honestly, I've watched that film so many times. I just, I find, I mean, I know Tom Cruise isn't always the most popular person. I've always thought Tom Cruise is a good actor who he's a great actor very good I know I don't ever think he's great but I think he's a good actor who could be very good I think there's nobody more um, committed than Tom Cruise yeah I th- uh, and I, I've, I've never seen anyone who gives men. as much of himself to any kind of performance yes. no matter how stupid it is no, nobody is more committed <laughs> nobody is more committed to the legend of Tom Cruise <laughs> than Tom Cruise yeah um, and I think A Few Good Men is one of his best films I just find him very compelling in it and Jack Nicholson in that film is incredible. He's chewing the scenery and it's magnificent. And I just find that film constantly rewarding. Yeah, Actually, one of the most entertaining bits of the film is Tom Cruise taking the piss out of Jack Nicholson's Colonel Nathan Jessup when he's talking about doing that bit you're just saying, Craig. I, uh, I just think find that film, um, Rob Reiner directing it, um, I just find it really, really entertaining. It's one of those films that I could always watch so... Um, you know, if it's Christmas Day and I'm actually in the mood for Christmas Day, but I'm just going to want to watch something that I can just, I'll just sit and enjoy. A few good men's always going to be up near the top of my list of films to pick. Awesome. That's a really good list of films. I would happily watch all of those, apart maybe from that Charles Bronson <laughs> joint. I'm not sure. I'm telling you now, you need to watch the film where Charles Bronson <laughs> is a mean melon farmer. <laughs> Our are, friendship um, pivots on this. <laughs> there are Charles Bronson films I'm very fond of. You know, The Magnificent Seven and some other, and um, the Sergio Leone stuff he did. But... Uh, I mean, I'll, okay, Craig, I'll, I will take. I, I value your judgment, so I will give that a go. Excellent. And then when you've watched that, watch Telephone. Yeah, just please don't mention Death Wish Three. I, I don't want our friendship to end. You know, don't take it too far. That's all right. Does that conclude our broadcast day? It. I think it does. I think it does. Uh, so uh, yes, thanks very much for your attention. Uh, we will be with you very soon with another podcast. Um, no matter how terrible 2018 has been to you, or how good 2018 has been good for you, we hope that 2019 is much better, and we will catch you. We, well, we hope to provide you with a number of entertaining film podcasts throughout that, that time period. Uh, until such time, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do. Uh, please do on Twitter at FudsOnFilm, on Facebook, that's facebook.com slash FudsOnFilm, or through the emails on podcast at FudsOnFilm.com. And, uh, yeah, until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Goodbye. Bye. Hasta luego.